0: as we sing of this amazing love that you have for us, I just ask that you would open our hearts to really grab it and understand it and even just have a small taste of it because to think of how much you, the God of the universe, loves us is an impossible feat. We can't totally grab it. We can't totally understand it. But God, we pray now that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you at least crack our hearts a little bit open, wider to see and know and understand your love. And so we ask that you do that now this morning in this place. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So on Monday of this past week, I was... Uh, cutting my lawn, and I started thinking, I do that a lot when I cut my grass, it's kind of a scary thing, what happens after the grass is done, because I go into deep thought, and I was thinking about something that I think about often. Uh, I think about it quite a bit, it occupies my mind um, a large percentage of the time, and what I was thinking about was, how do I get, or we get, Crossview Church to grow closer to Jesus Christ. How do we take that next step forward in spiritual growth? And I understand that all of us as we gather here are in real different places. We come from different backgrounds. We come from different uh, experiences in our life. And we're in different levels in terms of uh, our growth in Christ and our spiritual maturity. But my heart and my mind kept thinking, to what do we do to get people to take that next step closer Maybe it's a, a, a small group curriculum, the silver bullet. We'll find it and we'll, we'll, we'll put it out there and make sure everyone goes through this curriculum. Or maybe it's a program. Or maybe it's um, a new worship song. Or what is it that we have to do to get people to take that step closer? And, I, and there was this thing in me that was almost trying to force it to make it happen. And I was getting all worked up. And by the time I got you know halfway through the lawn, I was burdened. And I was even almost angry. And I thought, what can we do? We've got to get closer to Jesus. I know... I'll, I'll just, I'll get up there and I'll preach a sermon and we'll guilt it out of them, right? We'll just, I'll lay it on thick and they'll say, oh, I'm this horrible sinner. I need to grow. Or we'll manipulate it out of them. That's what I'll do. I'll go and I'll throw a twist and how dare you do that? And that'll, that'll work. We'll get, we got to get this to make this happen. All this stuff was just going in my mind and it was just this heavy, heavy burden. And I had to watch the flower beds, you know, and go. it's like, what did you do? You know, I just got all worked up. And then I did something that I probably should have did right in the beginning. Uh, I prayed. And I just said, God, I want so bad, so, so, so bad for us as Crossview Church to be as close to you as we can possibly be. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me in that place, in that moment. It wasn't this audible voice. It wasn't um, anything I heard, but it was so incredibly clear And it hit me like nothing has hit me in a while. And the Holy Spirit said this, spiritual growth cannot be forced. Spiritual growth cannot be influenced. It has to be awakened. You can't force spiritual growth. You can't manipulate spiritual growth. You can't guilt spiritual growth. You can't control it. You can't sell it like a product. You can't influence it. You can't advertise it and bait and switch. True, genuine, authentic, spiritual growth has to be awakened within the person's soul. It takes God to know God and grow in God. And so if that's the case, the Holy Spirit said, then your main job is to be praying That spiritual growth would be awakened in the hearts of the people of Crossview Church and awakened in your own soul as well. And so I spent the rest of that time cutting grass just begging God that he would create within us and awaken our hearts to this spiritual growth. And then the cool thing was I came in and I looked at the text that we're going to preach today and I started working on my sermon and diving into it. And I saw that that's exactly what the Apostle Paul was doing. You'd be happy to know the Apostle Paul is wiser than your senior pastor. And though I'm sure he had anxiety over wanting people to grow and he wasn't cutting grass, but he's doing other things, and, and he went in prayer before God and he said, God, will you help these people grow spiritually? And then he prayed for some specific things that would unlock The hearts and the stony hearts of Christians that happen as we travel through life and he prayed that they would be awakened in their souls to know God more. And so what I want to do this morning is look at this prayer that the Apostle Paul gives that he prays that to get his people to awaken and know more of him, of more of Jesus Christ. And so this prayer is found in Ephesians chapter three as we continue our study through the book of Ephesians. It's in verses 14 to 21. So I invite you to open your Bibles uh, there or turn your Bibles on uh, to Ephesians chapter three and looking at verse 14, I'll be on page 1037 in the Worship Center Bible. And in this, we're gonna see that Paul lays out a prayer of awakening. He gives this prayer of awakening. And in this prayer of awakening, we see three heart cries, three heart cries that he has. And I want us to walk through these together. And I pray as we do that God would create an awakening in us as well. So look at verse uh, in Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 14. We're going to go through half of verse 17. Ephesians 3, beginning at verse 14. Paul is praying. It says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his Spirit, And that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Let's stop right there. He prays first of all, his first heart cry, is that you would know who you truly are. That you would know who you truly are. That you would know God and what he has done. And because of what God, God has done, it's a reflection, a knowledge of who you are in God. That you would know who you are. That he prays that we would know our identities as children of the almighty God. And he gives these amazing, rich, deep phrases as he praise that prayer. He says that this would happen out of, according to the riches of his glory, that you'd be strengthened with power. You see, he knows that for you to know this is going to take power, that you're not going to be able to come to this a, a, um, awareness of who you are in Jesus Christ in your own strength that you're going to need a power from outside of yourself to know and understand this. So he says that you'd be strengthened in power where in your inner being this wouldn't be just a superficial thing that skips across the lake but it goes deep and anchors into your soul that in your inner being you would know that you are a child of God through his spirit. And he knows that if he can get that to happen, that we would grow in Christ. And so his end goal here, he says, is that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Paul's desire is that the people in this church would forever be people where Jesus Christ is dwelling in their hearts. Now you can look at that and think, okay, Jesus Christ dwelling in your heart, that means he's talking about people far from God, who don't know God, who don't know Jesus Christ. And he's asking and he's praying that Christ would dwell in their hearts, that they would come to know Jesus Christ. But that's not what's happening here. In the original language, that's not at all what's going on. He's praying for people who have given their lives to Jesus Christ. They are following him, but somehow they have gotten hardened or they become hardened and they become slow of thought, that they've paused their growth. And what he's praying, in fact, here is that they would... um, Live in the continual presence of Jesus Christ, the one who saved them. The language is so that he's praying that there'd be this continual living in the heart of the believer, that they would not just. Accept Jesus Christ, pray a prayer, and stop, and then compartmentalize all their lives. So you have my church life, my work life, my home life, my friend life, my school life, and then I'm kind of a chameleon. And I pop in and out of these things. No, no, no. That's not the, the, the picture of a believer. It's not the picture of a Christ follower. It's, it's that Jesus is all. And he is continually there. And as a Christ follower, I continually live in his presence, whether I'm at work, whether I'm at home, whether I'm at church, whether I'm in school, I'm walking out my faith, continually living in the presence of Jesus Christ. You see, and he's praying that you have power to know that's your identity, that's who you are, that you are continually living Jesus saturated lives. Jesus-saturated thoughts, Jesus-saturated words, Jesus-saturated action, Jesus-saturated being, that you're living there. That's his prayer. And he knows that if he unlocks that, it will cause you to grow. It will cause this church to grow. Paul is praying that the reality of who Jesus is is... And what he has done will continue to fill us and strengthen us to the point where we understand that we are children of the Most High God. That we will understand that the God of the universe has chosen us, has looked at us, and he said, "'You are mine.'" All of your failure, all of your shortcomings, all the things that you don't like about yourself, all your regrets, all the things you wish you can change, even with all that, I love you and you are mine. You are my child. It doesn't change your identity. And he's praying that these people in the church of Ephesus would get that. And I pray we would get that as well. That we would know. So often as Christians, we don't live in our true identity. So often as Christians, we let things of our past mark us and define us and identify us. And we live in that identity. So often we let things of this world identify us and say, this is how you should live. And we live in those things. We let things of this world, like media entertainment, dictate who we are. Or we let these images of our own that we create ourselves of who we want to be or who we think we should be, these superficial dreams determine our identity or we let pains of the past determine our identity. And and what Paul is praying here is that we would know deep in our hearts that we are people that God has saved, that he's brought close to him and now he's dwelling within us. So many times we let other things determine and define our identity. When the ultimate identity we carry as people who are following Jesus Christ is that we are children of the Most High God. There is a movie that was released in 1981. So I'm kind of dating our, my movie taste a little bit. And uh, it was called Chariots of Fire. And it was a movie about a runner named Eric Liddell who... Um, decided instead of running in the Olympics, he was gonna, uh, his race came on the Sabbath and he wanted to honor God instead of race. And so he chose not to run. And it's an amazing story about his uh, commitment to God. But I don't wanna talk about him as the main character here. I wanna give an example. Uh, The person he was racing against was a man named Harold Abrahams. And Harold Abrahams, there's a moment in the movie uh, where he is talking with his Girlfriend, and this is what he says. And when I read it uh, in the in the movie or in the book, and I saw it in the movie, and I went back and looked at it this week, it like almost haunted me because you can just feel the oppression with this statement. He looked and he says to his girlfriend as he's getting ready to race. He says, "And now, in one hour's time, I will be out there again talking about the racetrack." And he said, I will raise my eyes and look down that corridor four feet wide and with ten lonely seconds to justify my whole existence. Ten lonely seconds will justify my whole existence. And I began to think about, I wonder how many Christians live in that place. I wonder how many Christians it's not obviously a racetrack, but how many Christians look at life and think, I have to justify my existence and I'm going to do it with X, fill in the blank. Whatever it is for you. But we are so quick to abandon unconsciously and many times without even knowing our identity as children of God and we try to find something else to justify our existence. And what Paul is praying here is that We wouldn't feel the weight of that every single day, but instead we'd feel this love of how much the heavenly father loves us and calls us his children and that would cause within us to grab our identity. Paul agonizes in prayer that we would know that, that we truly understand who we are and that because of what God has done, we would take on our true identity as a Christian, that you would know that instead of trying to justify your existence through all sorts of things in life, that you would just know who you are in Jesus Christ. That you would know that you were worth saving. That you would know that you were worth dying for. That you would know that you were worth loving. That yes, because you were created in the image of God and although you have sinned and fallen short, the God of the universe didn't stop there, but he sent his son to die on your behalf to redeem you and bring you back into relationship with the heavenly father because of his love for you. And his prayer is that that would explode in your heart and you would understand that Jesus Christ went to a cross and died for your sin, paid for your penalty because he loves you so much and he wants to bring you into relationship with your heavenly father who loves you. All that the God of the universe is is found in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ came to love you and Paul wants to force this into the hearts of the people who are listening to this letter in the day that it was read to them. He wants to force it in and I felt that as a pastor. I just want to force this in but we can't. So he continues to pray and he prays a second heart cry and the second heart cry is that you would know the secret to all of life. That you would know the secret to all of life. Let's Look at verse 17 and 18 again. So he says, And Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, verse 17. And then he picks up and he says, I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love. He uses amazing language here to tell us that the secret to all of life is that you are deeply and profoundly loved by God. You are deeply and profoundly loved by God. And Paul is begging in this prayer that the people of this church that he loves would know how much God loves them. And in this verse 17, he uses two words, two key words to try to drive this home, to try to waken in them, and he uses two examples that the people listening to this letter when his first read would know. He says, first of all, you were rooted. He uses an agricultural term, that you were rooted, that these roots would go down, that you would have spiritual roots rooted in what? That you would know how much God loves you. And you see, to grow spiritually, the way you do it is you have to have roots planted in this bed of the Father's love. When you understand how much God loves you and those roots go down and grab life, you grab life spiritually from the fact that Jesus Christ died for you as a reflection of how much God loves you. It's rooted And then he says firmly established, it's an architectural term, that this is supposed to be the foundation of Christianity, how much we are loved by God. That's the foundation. That's what it's set up, it's right here, rooted and firmly established. This is the foundation that God's love is there. You see, Paul knows that when they understand this, that they will grow. And he talks about not that they would just know God's love, I hope you caught that. But that they would comprehend, they would understand with all the saints what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love. Not just God's love, but how high it is and how wide it is, how deep it is, how long it is, we can add how strong it is. That this is amazing. See, Paul knows when they understand how high, how wide, how long, how deep, that it will change their lives forever. A fundamental key to growing spiritually is not how bad you are and all the stuff you have to fix, but it's how loved you are by God. How much your Heavenly Father loves you. Love is the motivating factor of spiritual growth. And Paul is agonizing in prayer that the people in this church would get how much God loves them because he knows that when they grab that, they will grow. If you don't understand how much God loves you, you will never grow into all he has for you. But here's the catch 22 it's impossible for us to understand totally how much God loves us because he is God and we are finite human creatures who can't comprehend that. So we just ask God, will you let us taste? Will you let us have a little peace? Will you let us understand that much how much you love us? And it will radically change our lives. Paul's prayer for awakening transformation is not based in us doing something. So many times I think our prayers are based in doing something. Help me do this or help me do that. Help me do this at work. Help me do this. And and Paul here isn't doing that. He's not praying that we would do something. He's praying that we would know something. He's praying that we would have an understanding, that there'd be an awareness in our minds, that we would know how much God loves us. Not that we do all these things to earn it, that we would know it, that it's there, that it exists. When I was a youth pastor, I used to see this in students all the time. They'd they'd have this, like, they come to Christ and they want to grow in their faith, and then they'd have this panic moment. You see, because a lot of them, had a lot of things that would pull them down. There's a lot of chemical addictions, a lot of sexual addictions, a lot of sin. And, and I think it's even worse for students today. And we got, that's why we have to keep praying for Cale Erickson, our director of student ministries, and his team on Wednesday night, all the adult volunteers and the youth that come. I'm so grateful that we have that ministry here at Crossview and we need to be praying for them. But I see oftentimes in the youth, it's almost like I'm thinking I'm sort of buying into this fact that God loves me, that he's not this person that's just out to get me. But what's going to happen if I blow it? What's going to happen if I slip back into those old behaviors? What's go- is he going to love me then? And I could see it in him. they would always like be thinking it and they would speak it. Does he really, really, really love me? Will he love me this much? Will he love me when I'm at my worst? Will he love me when I'm regretting what I just did? Will he love me there? Or does his love stop there and is it dependent upon my behavior? And then I'd see it in a lot of the young ladies in the youth ministry, in the youth group. And it'd be a different form in some ways. In some ways they would take their cues from the world and many of them would struggle with body image issues and they'd be bombarded by all these pictures and all these values that come from the world saying, you have to look like this. And the truth is nobody looks like that because they doctor those things up and they make them look so fancy. They're all fake, but they put it out there in media and over and over. You must look like this. And I'd see in these young ladies, the: what if I don't look like that? If I don't look like that, will somebody still accept me? Will somebody still love me? Will I be okay if I don't look like that? And you know what these teens need? You know what the students in those places need? They need a power to know and understand that they were made by God and that he accepts them and that he loves them with a love that cannot be imagined. And not that he just loves them, but that he loves them high And he loves them wide, and he loves them long, and he loves them deep. And there's absolutely no behavior that can stop that love. There's no lie from the world that can build a wall between that love. That that love is so strong that no matter what their behavior result is, it doesn't change that God's love is long, high, wide, and deep. And you know what else? It's not just students and teenagers. We all need that. Because we all struggle with that. Adults, we're just grown-up teenagers. is all we are. And we have all these things and we wonder, will God love me that much? Will God still love me when that happens? Will God still accept me and call me his own even when I'm at the worst of my worst that I know the next morning I'm going to look back and so regret that? And Paul is saying yes upon yes upon yes. He loves you. He doesn't just love you. He loves you high. He loves you wide. He loves you long. And he loves you deep. He loves you beyond anything you can imagine or think. And nothing changes that love. And when you get that, it's like an awakening that happens in your soul that opens your eyes up to see afresh and anew how amazing God is. And how strong his love is. That leads us to the third heart cry. Paul continues to pray. If that wasn't good enough, he continues to pray and say that we would live as a reflection of Jesus Christ. That we would live as a reflection of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 19. And to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge Why? So that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I know about that much about what that means. That's a huge concept if you think about that. To be filled with the fullness of God. Man, Paul was just cranking out this prayer and I could just see him getting caught up and it just rolls out and what I think the fullness of God is is the summary of what spiritual growth is. It's also the summary of his two previous goals that we would know who we are in Christ, that we are so loved by the Father and because of that love we would be so full of him that we would live our lives in worshipful obedience to God. That the things that we long for, the things that we hope that we would reflect, that because of his spirit living with inside of us, we would let that be known by how we live and how we act and how we talk. The idea behind this verse is that we'd be filled with what I call the allness of God. God. All of who He is, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all of His attributes, all loving, all knowing, all compassion. All justice, all truth, all these things were made known in the person of Jesus Christ. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus Christ. How do we know who God is? Because he came as a person to earth, Jesus Christ himself. And in the fullness of Jesus, God lives. And when you look at the scriptures from beginning to end, it's amazing how when God revealed who he is in the previous times, and then he reveals who he is in his son, there's a huge gap. That is brought together in Jesus Christ. Grant Osborne says this Moses could not look upon the face of God and live, but the disciples gazed into the countenance of God in Jesus Christ and basked in his glory. Isn't that amazing? They saw God, they were with God, they were there among God. And in a very, very real sense, we as Christians who are followers of Jesus Christ, we are with God as well. Because the Bible tells us when we give our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit enters into our life. And being People who live out the fullness of God, the reflection of God, as people who embrace God within us. And when we talk about, the, there's a concept called being filled with the Holy Spirit. We see it in the book of Acts all over the place. We see it all over scripture. This idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit, but we have to remember what that means biblically. It's not like when we think, A fill with the Holy Spirit, it's like we have this empty cup, there's no Holy Spirit in it, so we fill and we pour more Holy Spirit into ourselves, that we're filled that way. And there's obviously an empowering that happens, but that's not the right concept of being filled with the Holy Spirit biblically. Being filled with the Holy Spirit biblically means that all the Holy Spirit is already living inside you, Christian. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit in his fullness is living inside you. And to be filled with the Holy Spirit more, because we see as Christians you're filled and you're filled and you're filled, what it's referring to is you are yielding and surrendering more and more of your will over to God who lives within you. That he is becoming more and more. You are becoming less and less. And his lordship and his reigning and ruling is now calling the shots more so than your will and your ways. It's this yielding over. That's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And what Paul is saying is when you taste God's love and you know who you are, that yielding and that surrendering comes so easy because of who he is. Well, yes, why would I not want to yield to him? Why would I not understand his ways are better than my ways? Why would I not want to say have not just a little of me, have it all. Take it that I may live for you. What is spiritual growth? True spiritual growth is a process where we are formed into Jesus Christ. It's a process where we are formed into Jesus Christ. Well, how does that happen? Well, the fullness of who God is is burrowed deeper and deeper into our souls as we yield and surrender ourselves more fully over to his power and his presence. When who he is is burrowed deeper into our souls and we respond There's a cooperation here. We respond by surrendering more and more over to him. This is an amazing prayer that the Apostle Paul is praying. I hope you see the weight of this prayer. He's praying that we would know who we are in Christ. That we would know how high, deep, and wide, and long is God's love. And that we would be a reflection of Jesus. You know what I saw when I was looking at this? That Paul prayed really big prayers. Paul prayed prayers that are almost impossible. When I was cutting grass thinking, how do I get this in their heads? It's like impossible. And Paul prayed that. You know, when I pray, I I mean, I didn't like do a test or anything, but I bet you, I bet you, and I have no data to prove this. I'm just going from my gut. I bet you that the majority of my prayers that I pray are things that have a high probability of happening. They're things that just need a little push. There' are things, but Paul prayed the impossible. You know why Paul prayed the impossible? Because he knew who he is talking to. He's praying to this God that can do so much more than we think or ask. Do you know that? Look at verse 20, how he ends this prayer. It says, "Now to him who is able to do above and beyond." All that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. See, Paul knew who he's talking to. He's talking to the God of the universe that can do more and far beyond all that we can ask for in prayer, but not just what we can ask for. All, he, can go, he goes even beyond all that we can even think or dream up. That's how big and powerful this God is. He's saying there's nothing you could think or imagine that I can't do. There's nothing that you could cast your eyes and have this big vision cast or this dream that you'd long for. There's nothing I can't do. I am that powerful. That's who I am. No, to him who's able to do above and beyond all that we can ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever, amen. You see, I see Paul just praying this huge, big prayer that you would know who you are in Christ and you know his love and how high, wide, deep, and long, and that you'd be filled with the fullness of God. And, all these. and then he says, oh my goodness, to the glory of God, this would happen. It just overwhelms them to that point, where he says, "To him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ to all generations, everyone past. That's you and I. We're listed right there in Ephesians chapter three, twenty-one. All generations. That's us. That we would know this too, forever and ever, Amen." So, what do we do with all this? This is a huge prayer. That has three big heart cries. I wanna go back to my original quote Spiritual growth cannot be forced, can't be coerced, it can't be sold, can't be manipulated, it can't even be influenced. It has to be awakened. And when we cooperate with God living in us, it begins to awaken within our soul this desire to want to know God more and want to know who he is. And when God begins to awaken that desire, it doesn't really matter what programs are at church. It really doesn't matter what books you have. It really doesn't matter. You will have this hunger to know God that will cause you to do things like pour into his word, to worship to music, to stay and linger in his presence. When you see somebody coming alive spiritually, you know it's because there's something's been awakened inside of them. It wasn't influenced, it wasn't coaxed, it wasn't sold, it wasn't guilted, it wasn't manipulated. It's this true thing that God is meeting them in that place and bringing them alive, breathing upon them who he is. And you do this all to know Jesus more and to be more like him. But we can't make that happen. So what do we do? Paul prayed. It's a good way to do it. That's the only method there is, is that we pray that this awakening would happen. And what I would like us to do as Crossview Church is take our cues from the Apostle Paul and take our cues from Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. And this week, what I want us to do is to pray. I put a prayer in your bulletin. It's at the end, in the bottom of the sermon notes. And I would encourage all of us this week, if you call Crossview Church your church home, and if you want to grow deeper in the knowledge and the love of God, take this prayer, cut it out of the bulletin, either put it on the fridge, put it in your bathroom mirror, take a picture of it with your phone, look at it every single day, put it in the car, put the car in park before you read it, and look at it and read and pray this prayer back to God every single day this week. We can't force this to happen among us as much as we want to. We can't manipulate it. We can't coerce it. But we can ask the living, almighty God to create an awakening in our hearts that would cause us to love God more than this world, that would cause us to walk in the identity of who we truly are more so than the pains and the woundings of the past. And we can do that through this prayer. And so I encourage us to do this every week or every day this week and to be praying that God would awaken in our hearts a desire to know him and then take us to that next step. It takes God to know God. And now I want us to do something else, something that we don't do a lot around here. Are you nervous? Do I have your attention? Some of you perked up right now. I want us to stand together Is one corporate body, so please stand. And we're going to recite this prayer together as a church, but we're going to do something first before we do that. As a symbol of one family of God, his sons and his daughters going before the Father, going as sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, to our dad, the God of the universe, as a symbol of unity, I want you to grab somebody's hand next to you. And maybe move over and grab somebody that is kind of attached. If you have to move across the aisle, that's cool. Some of you who don't like touching people are getting really nervous right now. It's okay. You're going to be fine. Trust me, it won't be that long. Yeah, let's make it happen, right? And for those of you that are really nervous and going nuts right now, I'm just going to pause here and let that hang for a little bit. What a beautiful picture. The amazing God. We go before him as brothers and sisters and his kids. And now I want us to pray this prayer together, all right? God, would you, please pray with me, at all of us at Crossview Church, a desire to know you more, to know your love, and to have the fullness of God saturate our souls and out of your great love, help us to surrender more of ourselves to you, In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let me pray for all of us again. God, I ask that as we come before you this week and pray this prayer, that you would hear the cries of our heart. We long not to be a place that just gives you lip service but then behaves however we want. We long not to be a place that says our identity is in Christ, but we are haunted by the things of our past that we've done or been done to us. We long to be a place where people are set free and transformed by your power and your love. So will you come right now? And will you begin to do this amazing work where you take and drive into our souls our identity in you, truly who we are in you. And will you come by your power, God of the universe, all powerful, will you come by your power and drive within our hearts the knowledge of how much we are loved by you, high, long, wide, deep. Nothing can separate us from your love. Let us know that deep within. And will you come and Whatever this means, God, would you help us to live in the fullness of God? That we would know that you are dwelling in our lives and that we're carrying this out everywhere that we go. Do this work in us individually and as one corporate church and do it for your glory, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.